1: did you have air hogs growing up as
2: i did not have air hogs growing up johnny i i always wanted the power of a remote controlled like vehicle um mm-hmm. that would fly
1: the air hogs that i had was not remote controlled you would pu- it was an airplane with a propeller and you would pump it up like with a bike pump and it would fill mm-hmm. a little tank with air and then you'd spin the propeller and the air pressure would make it spin and then you just throw it and it goes really far, and then you just have to go pick it up. <laughs>
3: and then you never see it again.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Perfect toy. Mm-hmm, Perfection. Mm-hmm. It, goes, it goes out over the highway, and whenever it's over any highway, it immediately drops. Hmm. That's air hogs, baby. That's air hogs. They're out of control. Now that is what we should have called skyjacks kind of Fuck. Is
1: air hogs, huh? mm. what
2: if there's like a
1: you know we have like the red feather syndicate? What if there's like a just a group of nasty boys and they're the <laughs> air hogs mm-hmm. and i imagine I imagine they would be like a a sh- ship crewed by a bunch of like uh, bebop's from
2: uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, sure. We already have a Crocodile Man, so why not a bunch of bebops? Exactly. Cro- so Cro- we could have a bebop.
4: Crocodile Man.
2: there is no human body because in a deal with the Forest Queen Raul has given up his human form to the point where it just doesn't exist anymore. All that would remain was his human soul that that still lived somewhere in this tangle between these two forms and animal spirits and that soul would have simply been committed to Rusalka's arms in the river. But Johnny, you can change that.
1: Could I In this process, until my next transformation, basically, give him my human body.
2: Damn. Yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah. um, Because if he's not going to be immortal, if Rusalka maybe is going to take him anyway, kind of give him my body to get his affairs in order,
3: and then I'll take it back. This creates some complications, if you you might have forgotten, but you're currently in the middle of a bet. Oh shit! Well, he
2: can't do anything that he isn't sure. Yes, but his is going failed condition
3: out. is that I get his body.
2: <laughs> right, but Travis is sure that his he's going to get his body back. I guess is essential. <laughs> Fair like, enough. <laughs> the thing is, he hasn't lost this bet, even though like.
3: No, he hasn't lost the bet yet. It's just that, you know, obviously, if there is a period of time in between him getting his body, his body is on loan and he loses the bet, do I just wait until the body's back in his possession and I get to cavort in that? Or do I get to be? I,
2: I, I think I think so. I think ultimately the answer cool, cool, is yes. Cool. But like we are about, the, the night is about to be over. The sun will rise. So Travis was going to be in an animal mm-hmm, all day. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so... Yeah, th- there's time. I just also, I can't stop thinking of the fan fiction ramifications of these episodes being released where the deal literally is, I will own your body, Travis Madigan. Why like, Why fucking, do you think
3: I said the thing, James DeMoto? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Nathan just play into the. I know crowd what a fandom wants. Um,
1: Nathan <coughs> wants to own a body and get in a hole. We've all been there.
2: <laughs> We've all
1: been there. Just ordinary. The a breeze. zombie has Service. needs. Damn
3: it. Um <laughs>
2: Yeah, this is acceptable to me because also this, I think, like, if we think back to the hazards of love, there there is something about, you will grant him this day, which is, yeah, he was previously just going to go into the river with Rusalka, but... You know, with what we know of Rusalka in a mythical context, it is more complicated than that. Yes, Rusalka does seek out people and drown them for their crimes, for their misdeeds. But she also accepts people into the river out of an act of mercy and love. And if we think to Rusalka, Rusalka, you know, that's some sad guy approaching the river out of who knows what emotions, but, you know, offers Rusalka his hand in marriage and she accepts and, and drowns him kind of very sweetly. And I think that is the position that Raul was kind of in, just suffering and tasked with maintaining the border between the forest queen and the mariner and Rusalka and came to love Rusalka in that time. So I think in granting Raoul the day and the form of a man, he is going to be able to spend this time with Rusalka in a way that will be fulfilling and sweet in, instead of just being ushered from misery into the river. You will get to taste love for a short time at least before that happens. And I think that is the kind of gentleness, the kind of thoughtful sincerity that can only come from someone who has lived a life that is as long and as cruel as Travis Matigo's has been. And that is the deal that is struck. And so, The animal forms that once belonged to Raoul Garou flow into the complicated tangle that is the soul of Travis Madigo. And I I think this happens just as the sun starts to peak up over the horizon and it becomes day. Travis, what what, what do you change into?
1: Uh, What season was it before all this when we... I was a bird before, mm-hmm. right? Most recently, yeah, yeah. yeah it
2: was it was autumn. I'll just be a bird, okay, just a bird. Yeah, well, a bird Keep with little simple. antlers. I
3: mean, you even look fusions but- at this point. Like,
2: I do. Oh, I do bird. actually I kind bird. of want to layer the fusion on you. Yeah, I think you're a bird with antlers. I think you're a bird with these little white antlers.
1: Like regular, the regular size antlers.
2: So my, so <laughs> I try so- to fly <laughs> in my head. <laughs> it's too much. I think. I think we'll say the antlers look extremely grand, but they are within proportion. That doesn't mean it isn't difficult to fly. I think it is extremely difficult. Well, to Well, yeah, because
1: I got hollow bird bones and big, you know, not bird bone antlers. <laughs>
2: but there's you look,
1: I look fantastic. awesome. I <laughs> bet. Yeah, there's a reason why birds don't have antlers. <laughs> there is. There's just the one. Yeah, it's just single
3: reason. <laughs> so, like we we see this like elegant magical girl style transformation as this uh <laughs> bird with antlers just majestically i, I guess both um both uh, uh orimar and gable are kind of watching this kind of occur and uh gable because you're already holding on to orimar's arm uh you feel orimar's like weight shift like they're leaning against you and uh, for a fraction of a second it's like oh it's sweet oh he's putting a lot of pressure on oh he's just tilting over
4: <laughs> oh oh i got you i got i got you. Oh, oh, oh yeah oh, you go. i like
2: the idea that he actually just falls like kind of into the sand and like the antlers like lodge in there and he's just kind of <laughs> Flapping and <laughs> I think that as this
1: transformation is happening, it you know, we're like encircled in a bunch of like water and branches and vines mm. and stuff, so yeah. that it shields us from your vision. So that when it all fades away, you still see Travis and then this bird with huh. antlers. So you mm-hmm. both are like, Oh, Travis Ow. turned the little lizard deer into a bird with antlers, not realizing mm-hmm. that. The Travis is not me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I want to look to Raul and say, well, friend, I must say, you've never looked better.
2: Raul, I think, is at a loss, like is looking at human hands and human. I mean, this Travis is not wearing clothes. Oh, yeah. Terminator style
1: for sure.
2: Mm hmm just like looking over a a, a human body for, for the first time in goodness knows how many decades Um, and slightly animorph style. There is no animal brain vying for any part of his being right now. Just, just aghast. And he looks to you, this raven with antlers, this small, piece of godhood this this actual lumen in front of him and he he can't even form the words to thank Mm. you it's in his look alone don't mention it
1: i (laughs) thought it was pretty cool too which ones
4: which ones because the 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 bird is talking travis but that's also travis's Oh, no, wish are do two of them now? Are there two of them? They're two trapses and one of them doesn't like clothes Arama anymore. Does
3: not respond. But-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I look to Raul once more and uh, I'll just say the rest of the day is your time to do whatever you please. I can leave you here or I can stay with you if you like. It's up to you.
2: you you have already done so much for me. I will make the most of this precious time that you have given us. And he turns to Rusalka and walks into the river. And she embraces him. And the the swirling form of her body because again, you know, she is water, but she is also algae. She is also the white rushes of flowing, raging rapids. She encircles him tastefully. Um, you know, it's, it's just a bit of that HBO nudity that we get. Some, some really choice, tasteful stuff that is not easy TV. to do on the right budget. Yeah. Uh, hey,
1: don't do anything with that that I wouldn't do, all right? You, I, want, I want it returned in good condition.
3: Maybe a little waterlogged, but that'll come right out.
2: (laughs) Which I suppose leaves us with you. Rusalka says this as she is turning to Gable and says a word that sounds like static to Gable. Gable cannot hear. It is just a hissing absence of a word. And a word that Travis hears, of course, as Uriel. Yeah. And if you are willing to bring back feathers for me, I will tell you where to find them, and I will give you this feather now, though I will let you know important sticks. Your feather has allowed me to do something that I believe to be very important, and that is... To destroy the sinful things that I have seen. And without it, I will lack that power. I will be committed again to being a being who can only watch. And there are creatures, there are beings, who would take advantage of that if they knew. So you will need to commit yourself to this act swiftly. Is that a thing that you would be willing to do?
4: Have you? Hmm. You rule the river? I do. Have you made the attempt to cross yourself?
2: (sighs) Oh, and again, they say, Uriel, a name that you cannot hear. Oh, Uriel, I have no desire to cross over. I understand that for many beings, the weight of existence presses upon you need to know that before i became this and before i held the sword that you now hold i just had to watch i was set to watch and judge and i saw all of the most terrible things that humans do as well as all of the most wonderful things that humans do i recorded them and recited them to the Sovereign's displeasure. And so the Sovereign raised me up, gave me wings with golden feathers and a sword that burned with his fury, and for a time I was set to be his justice as well as his judgment. But when I held your sword... I found that because I had seen all of the wonderful things that humans do and seen all of the wonderful things that they could be, I could not swing it, not with the wrath he intended for me. And so when all my wings were carved away, when I had but a scant few feathers remaining and I was sent to Sphere, I did try to slink myself into the river, to bind myself to death in a way that would release me. But I found no release, and all I could do was watch once more. Then I watched without the opportunity to ever intervene. I saw humans do cruel and terrible things to one another, and live rich and full lives as the result of their cruelty, to enjoy every warm pleasure their flesh would allow, with hearts full of hatred and malice, and it disgusted me. When the stars fell, though, feathers rained from the heavens, and I gathered what I could, and, of course, one of them was yours. And that feather allowed me to stretch and move the river towards the guilty so that I might overwhelm them. Not all of them. There are still people who do terrible and cruel things, and I must choose which acts I will punish. But I'm satisfied with my choices.
4: Oh. <sighs> There are many on this world who would choose the path of the river, who can't. And unless you are able to find that path and provide it to those who need it, I cannot agree. And I must decline.
2: Kindred, please. Sister, I've spent... Look upon Raul. He came to me in need. And I committed what I could. I arranged as much as I could to help him find the river, he will find his release. And with more feathers, there's no telling what else I could accomplish. I have seen many of our kindred fall and suffer at the cruel hands of terrible people. And for a time, I was able to punish those terrible deeds. I protect where and what I can and I welcome without pain without suffering those who seek the river to its waters where I can I am doing things that must be done that many do not have the taste for
4: I would never dream of judging you you, and your purpose and what you've chosen everything I know is hard won And I know I have many steps to go until I know everything I need to. But I'm tired. And if I don't start considering myself whole at this moment, even knowing that I am not complete, I will never be satisfied with who I am. And I can't bear the price of taking from my brethren the same thing that was taken from me for the purposes of my own knowledge.
2: I can give you this feather that I have taken. It can be transferred from me to you as any feather that you hold could be transferred from you to another. What you do with the power you are given is your decision and your decision alone. I cannot force you either. If you do not wish to take this sliver of blade from me in order to deliver power to us both, I will understand, and I will hold what I keep, and we will go our separate ways.
4: You will know when to return it to me.
2: This is an accord that I am happy to strike.
4: Be well, sister, and I am sorry.
2: Stand well, kindred, and I am sorry for what you are to face ahead. Oromar Vale. My deal stands.
3: Hmm. There is no response for a while, because we established relatively a while ago that Oromar's strain value is also representative of their connection and control to their body operations, and they lost more than half Mm -hmm. of their strain simultaneously. Yeah. So you know how a while back we had the little jaunt inside when uh, Travis went to have a visit and I described Oromar's body or spiritual space or whatever as like an old house Mm -hmm. being held up by a thousand spider strings in neon green, Uh, we see half of those spider strings used to control the body immediately break. And in almost like emergency mode panic because Oromar has prepared for this has locked their body mm. into a way where they can freestand but they are currently immobile until they kind of get bits and pieces under control again you know when you if you if you're a martial artist you hold like a foot stance that makes you kind of hard to push over it's that so the rasalka turns to oromar and starts speaking again but I think for a while there is no response from Oromar while he is Desperately internally trying to get his body back under control again.
2: The deal would stand that should you recognize within yourself a straying from the correct path, that you will allow yourself to be destroyed. And in exchange, I will act as ally or neutral observer towards Jonat Kessler.
3: A pause. A pause. A slow, quivering hand of, like, holding up one finger.
4: Gable's got, like, him around the Mm. shoulders. And, like, I'm not holding them up. Totally not. They're standing on their own.
3: There is a slow, shaking finger that Orimar slowly manages to hold up in a kind of hold on one moment. And actually, as uh, Gable is holding on to... Orimar, they feel that the uh, muscle tension underneath there is uh, akin to your rock collection. Like, <laughs> it is
4: stiff. Ooh, it's like my Skyrim. <laughs> this blue looks like the sky.
3: And then, eventually, Orimar looks up to the Vasulka. And signs with that hand and falteringly and kind of stutteringly, we shook on your assistance, but also to knowledge shared. I want to know how I can become a luminary.
2: Heroes. It's James, your game master, and welcome to the moment you have all been waiting for. The newest generic mid-roll is out. That's right. This one is updated, and it's more generic than ever. Uh, Just so everybody knows, I'm doing generic mid-rolls because I recently had a baby. Heroes, our captain, our very own Nathan Blades, has designed a brand new role-playing game called The Ballad of Conjurers. It was inspired by JRPGs and the melodrama that they are famous for. And you can pick it up right now on Itch for just five bucks. You can find it by looking Nathan Blades up on Itch or by following the link in our show notes. Heroes, I've also got something new coming out. I wrote a direct follow-up to my very first book, The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, called The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition. Basically, we took the concept of prompts and exercises to help you develop backstories for characters at your role-playing table, or really any original characters you want to work on, that use game mechanics to make the process easy and fun, and we expanded it way past the fantasy adventure genre while also including exercises for fantasy adventure. If you're the type of person who loves thinking about your characters or characters in any property that you love, I highly recommend picking up this book. It's coming out in June, but you can pre-order it right now. And pre-ordering is super important. Not only does it tell the bookstores that people are interested in this book, but it tells my publisher that people are interested in this book and it helps me publish more books and therefore support myself and my family. You can pre-order a copy now by heading to bit.ly slash RPG Backstory 2, and that's 2 as in the numeral 2, or by going anywhere books are sold and signing up for a pre-order that is all major online retailers, every major brick-and-mortar bookstore, and of course your favorite indie brick-and-mortar bookstores. And I always recommend you go to an indie bookstore or a friendly local game store to order a copy because it helps out so many people. So put yourself down for a pre-order for the Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition today. With that said, I want to thank Lex the Lexicon Artist for joining us as a guest for this arc, In addition to our regular game, for this arc, we're playing Starcrossed, the two-player forbidden romance RPG. Starcrossed was designed by my dear friend and former network member, Alex Roberts, and is published by Bully Pulpit Games. You can pick up your own copy of Starcrossed by following the link in our show notes. A big thank you to all the cast and crew who are involved in producing the music for this arc. That is not just our guest for the arc, Lex the Lexicon artist, but it's also Arnie Parrott, our house musician. Tyler Davis, who you're going to be hearing later on. James Mendez Hodes, who wrote some lyrics for one of the songs that'll be appearing much later on in the arc. And of course, Casey Tony, our editor for choosing when and where it appears in the show. And also a huge thank you to Tracy Barnett who assisted Casey Tony on the editing for this arc. As always, one of the biggest thank yous goes to our Patreon patrons who made everything you're listening to possible by supporting the show. Let's thank them right now. Thanks to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. we come to the final card that I drew for way and that is the children. The themes of the children are consequence, inevitability and eternity. The children watch and see things you might not even notice. Although they are not strong now, one day they will be and they will judge what they have seen. They represent a coming world that you will not control and one that cannot be stopped The power of the children might not suggest immediate action, but they are a promise that deeds both good and bad will be answered. Nothing was unobserved, and a reckoning is coming. Their themes are consequence, inevitability, and eternity.
5: I think this would be a great place to start exploring the relationship that Wei has with a member of the Liquid Swords maybe one, two years into their training Mm -hmm. they form a close relationship a working uh, relationship but you know as with any liquid source relationship relationships take on many forms between the same two people and you know that can uh, involve many different types of relationships professional relationships platonic relationships sexual relationships are not off the table even uh, between platonic friends at the Liquid Swords so and I think that the particular branch that Wei ends up joining you know, after being inspired by the encounter with the Black Lily probably has more of these aspects and is a kind of looser band of people who are they're, they're not studying the traditions of the greats as much as they are focused on creating their own work And I think this is a great time to explore the relationship that Wei has in this newfound, uh, in this newfound family that they have now in the Liquid Swords. They are kind of a lowly grunt, I suppose, but they've worked, well, they're a junior, but they've worked for about one to two years, honing their craft, training. They've gotten to a point where they think they're pretty good, but honestly, still people on the upper echelon of, this branch look down on them because they kind of established this uh, reputation after the battle as this, you know, hotshot newcomer. Uh, so the liquid swords essentially, like they knew that way was coming. They are very judgmental of this unrefined, out of control type of person uh, and they, they they think that like they need to rein way in in some way and so the way that uh, even though this is kind of like a pretty loose branch culturally the way that the leadership is structured is you know pretty it's pretty political and so there's all sorts of kind of usurpings of power happening there's political machinations to like try to knock someone off someone someone's post so that they can have more influence over the the direction of the branch and way finds themselves uh, you know becoming a follower of one of the leaders hoping that it will elevate their status in the branch
2: yeah yeah
5: and i, I let's let's give this person a name got to get those names <laughs> yeah let's give this person a name the way that
2: names work within the liquid swords it is like a sort of functional kind of nickname thing. Like think almost jazz or rap, you know, nickname. Like it can be little plus surname. It can be mm. old plus surname or surname mm. the novice or, you know, scholar surname or like we have teacher surname. Mm,
5: um, okay. And it comes. I-, I think I got it. Yeah. I th- think um, this person should be named scholar shoe. Scholar shoe yeah s h u u scholarship yeah yeah they're a very powerful oh well, he's very powerful in within the branch he he's very talented and he's very well trained uh, in the art of the swords and, and he also commands a lot of influence political influence uh within not just this branch but just like the monastery the the liquid swords Network in general, like because the, the, the communities will communicate with each other. It's not really like a very uh, tight connection to each other, but they do interact. And so, what Shu says has um, sway over uh, other people as well, uh, other you know people in different sects, different branches. And so Wei kind of sees this as an opportunity to not just learn from one of the greats, but also use him to elevate themselves in status and hopefully one day become one of the leaders of the branch.
2: And uh, my, my question to you is you and I talked about uh, in ways past that part of ways character history is mm-hmm. that they fell into this group that uh, focused instead of studying the, the lyrics of the great masters, mm-hmm. they would focus on inventing their own and, and speaking their own. And right. that was sort of like the spark that drove way to like propel up and, and become powerful within these battles and within this group. Is, is it Shu that uh, was leading that group
5: Yes, I think so.
2: Okay. Yeah. So Shu yeah. represents not just authority, but also iconoclastic authority. Mm-hmm. Because although Shu yeah. holds this respect and holds this power within the temple, Shu also holds it kind of in contempt of many of the other masters around him. As powerful and learned as Shu is, Shu got that by battling for every scrap that he could find because he is teaching this bold, we are going to forge our own path and make our own way while there are, you know, traditionalists. And when I say traditionalists, I don't want you to think of like specifically old men. I I almost picture it kind of like a a, a barbershop where I I think black barbershops and Italian barbershops have a similar vibe in that there is a group of old folks that hang out with each other there a ton and speak these truths that like, but they're not truths you know there are the opinions of these old ass men yeah, that you kind of, of have to agree with to be around there or if you get <laughs> in a fight you got to know this is going to be my entire goddamn afternoon it's going to take me forever to get this haircut because I chose to disagree with this wrong ass old man mm-hmm. <laughs> it, so there is th- like that is I think the vibe of many of the other masters like you know the, yeah. the, the masters of martial arts the, the masters of economics the masters of sailing whatnot, not
5: masters of alchemy the masters of metaphysics yeah uh, yeah like all all
2: these people like have this thing like you know we learned these lessons from our teachers and we honor those Mm -hmm. teachers and carry them forward and this is one of the people who's like we are learning these lessons ourselves we are taking what we need from our teachers and using it to build something new so, there is something exciting and and something that that is powerful, not just because of authority but because of resistance to authority in this person yeah. and in the the school, the group that that he is fostering,
5: yeah, and I think that Wei is really inspired by Shu and in in an obsessive way, like wants to be Shu, like you know uh, like they want to. They 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 want not not just to be close to Shu, but to have the amount of influence that he has, and to have the amount of power, and to have the amount of technique and talent and ability. And so, in in my mind, Wei has a obsession with this person, and like he can do no wrong until.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I want to, I want to definitely see time pass yeah. as yes. Wei like finds their fire you know within mm-hmm. the temple like way yeah. in that experience that they shared with the lily like found themselves in a way and yeah. they through the temple have been refining themselves and where mm-hmm. they found the real spirit of that refinement that didn't have any of the tinge of restriction was in this group that was about wild creation. And sometimes you speak your words and they flame out and you get thrown to the ground in a battle. And slowly but surely you can advance that until you become a precise instrument, until Wei has shades of that person who initially bested them at the battle all those years ago. And so, yeah, we we see way after years of training passed as they've trained in many disciplines, but found a home within this rogue school that forges its own path. And we've seen how embattled that is, how there are people from all sides coming for this experience, coming for this closeness that, that burns alongside the true self of way. And, you know, we've seen how intermingled and complicated those relationships are. They are deep, intense friendships. They are sexual and love relationships in, in, in their own way. They, they are this very close-knit and embattled Family that is fighting for every scrap of the things that give them a sense of who they are. And in this time, you have grown, I think, close to Shu and have become something like Shu. And that is a thing that, like, we can see there is
5: pride. Yeah. There is pride, and I think maybe too much pride. I think that way gets a little bit, a little bit in over their head, and just because they got better and they learned, you know, from Shu, and they work really hard and, you know, hone their craft, that isn't necessarily enough for people for that for you know, for them to get people on their side, mm-hmm. and I think that. You know, people still kind of look down on this rogue group of liquid swords masters because it's iconoclastic. It's not traditional. And, uh, you know, more importantly, I think people have really polarizing and divided opinions on Scholar Shu himself and his followers. And so that kind of like transfers away a little bit. You know, as Wei kind of like grows in the ranks and starts getting more of a reputation, people have like divided opinions on Wei. Some people think that they are really cool and like you know someone worth following. Some people think that they're a poser, and some people think that they're like you know still the same as the person that they saw in that battle. You know, those who had attended. And some people just assume and have prejudice and. Just assume that this person will never change, and that they are not good enough to be in the Liquid Swords. And I think that there's all sorts of opinions swirling, positive and negative, uh, surrounding Way. But they don't let that get to them because they idolize Shu so much, they just think that if I can just be like Shu, everyone will love me. Even though that they know deep, deep, deep inside that that's not true.
2: Or if I can be like Shu, I'll love me the way I love Shu.
5: Yeah. That yeah, would be enough. I like that. Yes. That would be enough for me. That would be like, this is who I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to achieve this power. I'm supposed to achieve, achieve this following. And I'll finally figure out what I was meant to be because I can't see into my future, so I don't know what my destiny is. But I felt deeply in my heart that If I could just be like him, then everything will be okay.
2: And Wei, what moment led to you discovering what Shu was?
5: Mm. I'm trying to think of how they would come upon it. I would imagine that they would have gotten very close. Mm -hmm. And they would be very good friends. Trusts way enough to share this secret. Oh. Yeah.
2: I like this because I've been thinking about this uh, and kind of in terms of how cults work. And Mm -hmm. one of the big things is isolating you from the outside world. So even if you know and experience the ugly truths of inside a cult like you're so embattled from and isolated from everyone else around you that even if you discover something truly ugly or or acknowledge an ugly truth there isn't an alternative all you can do is make this weird little family that you have work and i think shu probably wrongly assumes that you have become so close that he can delegate some of the unpleasant things in his work to you. That he has convinced yeah. you that the Liquid Swords as an institution is so mm-hmm. corrupt and broken that the only thing that can be done about it is to bring in a powerful outside force to reforge it. And that, yeah. of course, is the Red Feather Syndicate.
5: Yes. So. I think this gives me a good idea as well. So in terms of an ally, I think that Wei would be the natural choice for Shu in finding more people to get onto his side and helping him accomplish some nefarious deeds that he's doing under the table and using his influence in the liquid swords. But he can't do all that work alone because it's so much work. It can be a lot after a time. But he is using he is using his position as a, a red feather spy to enrich himself. And I imagine also that he, you know, being in a close friendship with Wei probably gave them a lot of gifts and was very generous. You know, in the close relationship that they have developed, was very generous to Wei and would ap- show his appreciation with very expensive and rare gifts and that would probably be the first thing that rouses Wade's suspicion of where are you getting this money?
1: Mm-hmm.
5: And uh, how are you getting access to all this stuff? Like we don't, we, we live, we don't live in a world of uh, worldly possessions. So where are you getting this? And I think eventually, as you've said, they get to a point where he's trying to rope them in to be his ally and reveals his true intentions to them and they are not about it.
2: I think it might be that you hit a point where you're silently not about it or like the author Mm -hmm. is made. And like, Mm. cause I I kind of, when I think of this, especially because of the sort of free love, sexual lifestyle that you've described, like this Mm -hmm. is probably a very calculated move in a moment after you and Shu have just been together, Shu reveals what is going on, that that, that he is a spy and that he needs your help to change the mm-hmm. swords. Yes. And, you know, this you've just shared a very close and intimate moment with somebody who, you know, you've been close and intimate with for years, who've made you feel like incredible, who has guided you on this path that you are so happy and, and you know, grateful to be on who has made you feel strong and powerful and almost most importantly like your life is going somewhere like you yes. have a destiny mm-hmm. and it is an intoxicating thing but there is something of that like icy prickle of reality and so he tells you these things and I, I think you've got a battle coming up tonight a big one And in this one, in most battles, the point has always been to prove that we belong here. There are people around the temple that don't believe that Shu and your school, your sect should be in the temple and Mm -hmm. constantly fight to take things from you. And, you know, you win the important ones. But there's a, a live and let live, especially around the battles. And in this one, he's like, I need you to be an assassin. I need you to be an instrument that takes out this person who has been pushing against us and fighting against us because they're fighting the changes that are necessary. And mm-hmm. I have turned you into the weapon that we need to survive. And so like. That's what he's laid before you. You are going to get on that stage and you are going to disrespect, dismantle, and destroy this obstacle, this opponent, not just to Shu and Shu's future, but to you and everyone in your school. It's something that needs to be done and he needs you to do it because you have become so powerful and so important. And that is an intoxicating thing to hear from someone as important as Shu. But also, Teacher Wei is not a fucking idiot either.
5: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Teacher Wei has a very... If there's something that Teacher Wei really believes in, it's opposition to authority. And who best to represent the oppressive authority than the Red Feather Syndicate that has dominated the world with an iron fist. Teacher Way has never agreed with the politics of this, with the corporation. And, you know, in addition, the calamity that forced their family to immigrate. And so Teacher Way has a very strong feeling against some large corporation, powerful entity profiting off of suffering, Mm -hmm. suffering that is very personal to them. And so they're not an idiot. And this also goes against what little morals they have, you know, as a kind of like anarchistic, hedonistic, free-spirited person, they despise immoral authority. It was the reason that they idolized Shu. It was the reason that they idolized the liquid sword sect that they joined. And now Shu's trying to convince them that this is what we need to do because the other sects look down on us and don't think that we should exist. But Wei knows that being allies with the Syndicate is not favorable and it's not something that they want to support.
2: You know that ain't the way. Which takes us to the battle. Please describe the battle where you turn on Shu. Go for it.
5: I think that this is probably like an inter—you know—as you mentioned, like intersect battle between all the different branches of the liquid swords, uh, and it's like a yearly event that happens. And Shu uh, has tasked me with this job of, as you said, assassinating someone in another sect. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so, describing this battle, yeah, I think it feels like it. The energy kind of reminds way of that battle that they went to in Zhangxi but there's a more like darker sinister tone to it because they know what they have to do and what lies before them you know they, they have this like prickly feeling they start getting this prickly like nervous feeling because let's see in liquid sword tradition it is you know kind of in the way that you know during a marriage it doesn't happen very often but the marriage officiator will ask, hey, does anyone have any objections to this? (laughs) And then, like, you know, dramatically sometimes someone will say, I have an objection. Now, this is also allowed in Liquid Swords battles. It It doesn't happen very often. You know, if you want to call out someone and duel them, even if it's not scheduled as part of the battle itself, you can do that. You're allowed to do that. And so Wei's plan, walking into this stadium with many people watching was they had to steal themselves because they knew that instead of going through with the assassination, they would call out their mentor. And it just feels very, it feels exciting and, well, it feels the energy is there, but it feels it feels like a pit in their stomach, you know? Knowing that they have to go against this person that they've idolized for such a long time because they just can't reconcile the morals but they knew that this was something that had to be done and also a little bit of fear, a lot of fear they have to grapple with this fact that they don't know how the rest of their branch is going to react when they call out They, they call out the leader, Shu and will they fall in line and fall away? Or will they take his side? So Wei doesn't know, but they're willing to take the chance.
2: And with those stakes so high, the challenge is issued. And you take the stage.
0: congregation knows of your reputation so rash and inventive the man you presented was followed and celebrated I know what my place is just the hedonist lacking in social graces they say I'm devoid of morality though in reality that's a mistake what I'm about to say, may to most of you sound like a defamation. To those of you asking for proof, I'm afraid I don't owe you an explanation. So to all of my fellow swords, hate to break it to you, but your god is a militant. Paragon of repute hides not the truth. Scholar Shu is a pawn of the syndicate. I've never known right from wrong, but I do hold contempt for authority. And am fine with it all, but a line I will draw when people attempt to lord over me. See the fate of the swords is in peril with feather rule. Under devil be no more than slaves. Our magic perverted, our valleys deserted. Work the scholar Zang as he rolls in his grave. I know what you're Way is just jealous they'll never be more than me. I loved you above our apprentice and friendship. You meant so much more to me. Fortunately seems like your trust was still placed. I know this must feel like a slap to the face but I have to betray you. If I have to I'll slay you alone before you leave my family disgraced.
2: And we can feel how everything fell apart. How Your words struck home and struck true. And you did act as an assassin that day. You did act as a weapon, an instrument of destruction. But what you destroyed was Shu. And, at least the way it feels, you destroyed the branch itself. And everything that you had spent years fighting to build and protect and foster. And you know that it's not really just you that destroyed that. Obviously, Shu and what Shu was doing destroyed that, poisoned the roots that that led to the branch drying and breaking. But, you know, you were the one who had to pull it apart. Your words had to pull it apart. And you knew that for the safety of everything that the temple represents... It had to be you to do it. But that obviously drove way away from the temple. And I think because, you know, you can only interpret the things that you have seen and and observed, you don't know how your sect fares without Shu and without you.
5: I think that I would like to add something to something to this. I think... (laughs) Wei had the feeling that they could take the place of Shu, and they believed that people would get in line with them and recognize the harm that was being done by Shu by exposing his lies. But that didn't happen. Nobody rallied around them. People of the sect were scandalized, and they lost the center of the group. And Wei having had too much confidence in themselves, thinking that people would follow them, but they didn't. And without that kind of binding power of Shu, now the sect had no leader. Nobody was willing to accept Wei as the leader. For reasons, various reasons, you know, lack of experience, uh, negative opinions, and just, I mean, they destroy the leader.
2: Yeah. And I'll, I want to point out, because I don't know that we've made it clear, both metaphorically and literally, the, the duel that you entered was a battle lyrically, but you also killed him for real, struck him down when Wei talked about having to take out people who betray the liquid swords and that they've had to do it. They did it to Shu, and they did it on stage, in front of all of Shu's allies and all of Shu's enemies.
5: And that put Wayne in such a crazy spot, <laughs> because now they have new allies, now they have new enemies. Most of the people in their sect took his side. they weren't able to consolidate that power. And it was a very familiar feeling. It felt like when they had lost that battle, that very, very first battle, that feeling of failure, that feeling of disappointment, that feeling of disappointment from not finishing metaphysical school. It was just, they felt like a disappointment. They felt like they couldn't be around this thing that they had worked so hard to build up only to realize that people are selfish and Even the best people that they idolized and loved, they had to make bad, well, they had to make difficult decisions about. And killing was something that they were never opposed to doing, which was something that they wanted to see in Jhana as well. But obviously, it still didn't feel good. It felt like, you know, a part of their identity was destroyed. And with that, they had to leave. They had to take an extended Sabbatical away from the place that they called home, the found family. That was the liquid swords, and so they had to leave and resume the nomadic travels around the world under the radar of other people who might know them.
2: We we return to this this nomadic wandering, this and this isolating and lonely wandering far away from the fires of the temple, far away from the fire of your heart, kind of lost. And these feelings of being adrift, of having part of your essential identity destroyed, uh, of loneliness, of of fear, uh, of being embattled of having to do unpleasant things in the name of doing what is right and not being rewarded with anything but suffering. John, I feel like there might be a resonance to specifically how you're feeling right now. And a lot of that has to do with that prickling feeling that I have been describing. The feeling of the pinpricks of sweat coming out, but that the heavy... Uh, A feeling uh, uh, that almost restricts your chest that that you can feel when confronting something bad or traumatic that has happened to you when flashing back to those traumatic moments but I think the realization comes as, as, as your body starts to inform you that that prickling feeling is localized around your palm and you look down and you see how the lines of the universe of the pocket space are connected to something in the outside world, an anchor, a tether that has been tied to you, but not by you. In the center of your palm is a black spot connected to a sickly and awful tendril, a part of the universe that looks warped and contorted, the Mariner's Mark You feel ways memory fade away and rushing in like a tidal wave cold seawater fills this space as you can see in the distance the skies here redden clouds gather overhead and ghost light fill the horizon It is not a metaphor. It is not a memory. You feel it and know it to be true. The Mariner is here. Campaign Skyjacks is a One-Shot Network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a
1: show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter.
5: And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles.
1: We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the One Shot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com.
2: You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com like asians represent asians represent celebrates asian creators and diversity in the gaming community join hosts agatha chang and daniel kwan as they discuss gaming genre and representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other about the sound of agatha's beloved airhorn app Jonat kessler was played by tyler davis who can be found on twitter and instagram at tyler a dave he also co-stars and consults on showtime's work in progress Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, paired. Travis Madigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv TheNeonCaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony. Who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony or on his podcast, Neo Scum? Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight
4: Games. For our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, Who you know we can never deny the call of the sky.